2: Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hour two here on Sports Radio 950 KJR, Comcast SportsNet Northwest and around the country on the iHeartRadio app. You search for Sports Radio KJR. So you're uh, the Duck and Goose Calling Education. How long have you guys been doing these uh, these seminars? What's the what's the story there?
3: Troy's well, been teaching the class for. 20 years yeah. now yeah, yeah and then I started assisting them here about eight nine years ago okay
2: yeah and it's a it's a it's a full day deal or or what's what's kind of your typical setup for that and will you be doing obviously you're gonna be busy with with the season here but I mean what's kind of your your long-range plans for for further seminars yeah. or, or classes
3: probably the springtime will be the next class okay we're gonna be busy guiding here but uh, uh it's all day class uh we last the last class we had we barbecued some steelhead fresh summer in steelhead, mm-hmm. and steelhead and the guys really enjoyed that so you take a break for lunch, and then uh, the, the uh, you know, you not only do you get the the calling aspect of it um, and all the practice exercises we give you in lunch, but at the end of the class, we teach you how to tune your own duck call because, like we talked earlier, uh, you know, you have to tune a call to fit you perfectly, and every call is different, and every player is different. So at the end of the class, we spend about an hour just on tuning duck calls, how to cut your own reads, different materials, stuff like that. So you can basically, after you're done, go home, and all those duck calls that you thought were garbage and you threw in the in the sock drawer and never touched again, you can tune those up yourself to make them fit you. And, and you'd be surprised that some of those calls that you thought were no good were actually pretty good calls.
2: So let's uh, let's get into some of what you would consider the must-have skills, the must-know basic calls. If you're going to be uh, an effective, a decent duck call, you don't have to necessarily be a good duck caller, but a good but a decent, passable duck caller. The basic quack. Let's let's talk about that. Let's break it down. It seems like like the simplest thing ever. It's a it's a simple. It's a it's a it's one sound. It's not you know a thousand different things strung together, but it is one thing. But let's let's kind of analyze that just a little bit. What exactly goes into the basic quack?
1: Okay. Well, there's a lot of little uh, variables you have to keep in mind when you're doing a single quack. The, the, one of the most important things to realize too is a single quack uh is the basis for all duck calling everything that you do on a duck call is is a variation of that single quack with the exception of feed chatter so the first thing is is holding the call correctly um and you know basically all you're doing is you're just putting in between your thumb and your pointer finger and just holding it relaxed you know uh a lot of the students when they first pick up a call for the first time or whatnot i mean they're Gripping it so hard, you'll see white knuckles, and and <laughs> you know it's just it's just very very relaxed. And then um after that, it's it's call placement to the lips, and uh I guess the easiest way to equate that is just putting it to to your bottom lip and rolling it up into the top of, you know, like so, like you were going to drink out of a bottle of pop yeah. or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sorry.
2: That was a pretty <laughs> basic quack. <choir. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Basic guy. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and then after that, it's tongue placement, and then uh, uh, like you talked about before, is tightening your diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so it's it's keeping that tight all the time, and and not doing the the puffy cheeks. You know, where you see, you know, the cheeks are puffing out. So you try to keep like if you were sucking on a lemon wedge. You know how you get that tightness? Mm-hmm. Same type of thing when you blow into a what? Ball.
2: What is it about that that, that makes that? Well, because necessary.
1: what because of the the duck call. It's going to get kind of weird, but the duck hole is a fixed instrument. So the, the barrel and inside of the barrel mm-hmm. or the mouthpiece is a resonant cavity, and that's a fixed resonant cavity. So once you put it to your lips, uh, the cavity inside your now- mouth now becomes part of that equation. Hmm. And so if your cheeks are puffing out and going back and forth, that that resonant cavity is also changing, and you want to keep that a constant. So... That's a, probably the easiest way to explain
2: it. Yeah, no, it's a good explanation. Good. So, okay, so <clears throat> you mentioned uh, tongue placement. I mean, so, so go ahead and just just go ahead and continue. Walk us through, the, I mean, just from start to finish. We'll
1: okay. So you're holding the call uh, between your thumb and your forefinger, and uh, your tongue is, the tip of your tongue is going to be placed behind your bottom teeth. So you when, you're, you, when you've when you got it right, you should be able to feel your teeth all the way around on your tongue, and it's going to stay down there uh, Pretty much through the entire time, pulling so not
2: so not all the way down to your gum line on
1: right behind your. You're going to feel your teeth. Okay, so mm. the tip of your tongue, you're going to feel it, the back of your bottom teeth. Mm. Okay, and uh, so once you've got that, it's going to stay there, pretty much. Now, when you once you do that, you're going to oh maybe a half an inch back on your tongue. That's where you're actually going to cut the note off. So the tip stays anchored behind your bottom teeth, and when you when you bring your tongue up. To cut that note off, if you feel up where your upper teeth are and where your gum line meets the upper teeth and then your cleft, it'll start to go up into your upper jaw. That's where that portion of your tongue is going to cut it off. So it's it's putting, orchestrating all of these different things all at one
0: time (laughs) to make
1: this. Sound like a
0: like a duck, you know? Yeah. Completely unnatural. <laughs> yeah.
3: Right now, there's no. guys in pickup trucks driving around with the. They're trying to visualize. <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's
2: it's not. It's, I mean, it's not unlike a golf swing. You're trying to remember all these little, little, you know, little components of it, but it's it's, yeah, it's but not an as analogy. easy as just him hey, to pick this up and blow into so it. So if you're
1: missing teeth,
2: <laughs> yeah, Legitimate. yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it you know it's funny, but you're right. I mean, all this mm-hmm. plays into it, you know. Yeah, uh, older fellows, like I say, that have dentures and things like that right. you know, typically need a, a softer blowing call, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, even if you don't have <laughs> have any teeth, uh, yeah, it's not a problem. You just still cut the note off the same way.
2: So when you're talking about uh, the, kind of the components of the actual sound of the call, um, the beginning and the end of it, I mean, the end of it is, is one that you hear people talk about a fair amount, like how you're supposed to end a basic quack. Let's let's hear let's hear one done correctly. Okay. Which one of you two wants to do this? Feel feel free. <clears throat>
1: all righty. Quack 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 quack. I don't know. Can you hear that? Pretty oh good? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh we yeah. Hear, yeah. We can hear it just fine. Okay.
2: So all right. So so let's let's talk about that then. So basically, it's a it's a second and a half long. It's it's a it's a short it's a short call. Yeah. A single
1: start. quack is mm-hmm. is just that. It's yeah. Just sound it it's to imitate a. A uh, hen mallard, mm-hmm. and it's just a single, short. Uh, l- one of the common mistakes a lot of people make is they're making the quack too long. You'll hear quacks are, <coughs> and it's it's not that. Kay. If you're out in the wild and you actually listen to them, it's it's very very abbreviated. Quack, quack, quack. So,
3: or they'll do an alarm quack where they'll do them too Quick in succession. Yeah. And whenever, if you ever accidentally jump a hen mallard, mm-hmm. you know, it's just surprising. You hear her zooming away, whack, 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 right. whack, whack. That's an alarm quack. So.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's, let's talk about the end of that, though. So, I mean, basically, I mean, it's, it's I mean, you can hear a distinctive at the end of it.
1: Yeah. And what, you know, it's almost better if, you, if I could do it backwards to the call. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this through the mic. We'll try. Okay. So I'm going to play it through the call backwards, and you'll be able to hear the way the air is actually coming through the call. So there's almost if you if you listen to it, you hear almost like a very, very light cough yeah. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's gating the air. That's popping the air into the call. And then you hear the air rushing through, even tone, you know. And then you hear that pop on the end where I'm cutting that note mm-hmm. off. Right. So So I don't know if that helps, but
2: Absolutely it does. You yeah. bet it does. So let's let's continue on through this to a cadence. So you have it's it's human nature to break things down by threes and fives and sevens and so forth. But is that something that that is natural in the world of ducks and geese, or is that just something that we do just because we're used to doing it in three, five, seven, whatever?
3: If you listen to the wild ducks in the water, you'll hear the you know five to seven notes. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're actually calling at other ducks, like what we would consider like a hail call, mm-hmm. you'll hear them. It'll go to more like eight, eight or nine ducks. Okay, you know they really string it out. It's not so much a really aggressive, but it is kind of stringing out a little bit longer. So if I'm hailing a duck, I might string my, my cadence out a little bit longer.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. So what, what, is, what is it about, I mean, what, what are the basics of, of understanding the cadence? I mean, what, what is it that you need to, to sort of have in your head when you're, when you're trying to get this stuff all sorted out?
3: Well, like Troy was saying, it's all based on a single quack. So a mm-hmm. cadence is nothing more than a string of single quacks at different pitches. Mm-hmm. You start at a high pitch, and you come down the scale to a low pitch. Okay. And that'll give you that cadence. We're go, right?
2: Does the length of it vary, or are they You the can same? add inflection. Like okay. if I
3: was to say to you, "Say, hey Joel, how's it going?" Or if I'm going to go, "Hey Joel, how's it going?" Okay. All right, it's all inflection. You know, I can sound aggressive. I can sound mm-hmm. soft. I can sound you know, it, it's all how. It's basically the same sound. I'm saying the same words, but I'm adding different inflection. Give me a
0: hey, Joel, how's it going? Yeah, hey, let nice and soft. Demonstrate, <laughs> demonstrate <laughs> yeah. that. So if I'm going to
3: if I'm going to be soft with them. I'm gonna, right but mm-hmm. if i wanted to be aggressive you know I, I change the speed which should change the inflection it's still just single quacks starting at the top of the scale coming down i made them quicker i can make them slower you know i can drag one out however just to change the inflection but mm-hmm. it's all boils down to single quacks
2: right
1: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Feel. I mean, this is a feel thing where you're like, I'm not really paying much attention specifically to, to to you know, beginning and ending things, but this is just, this feels right and it sounds right. I mean, yeah, that's pretty and, much- and
3: that just comes with practice. Yeah. It's right. Practice. And, you know, one advantage that we have is, is uh, our commute times are really long, so you got nothing better to do in the truck <laughs> than own a duck call and. Now that everybody's vaping. I, you know, nobody looks at me funny anymore. So. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's right. Now, when a goose calls, takes two hands. So you got to drive with your knees. So let's <laughs> say yeah, legalized uh, certain yeah. things in the state. Nobody even looks at me funny anymore for that. Either, that's so. hilarious. <laughs> that's,
2: yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, that's That's good. pretty good. Yep. So when you're t- when you're trying to when you're tr- when you're not to that level and it's not necessarily a second nature, well practiced, well practiced thing. What are you trying to focus on specifically? Like what what do you need to to, to think of yourself? I I have to accomplish this. Accomplishing
3: Katie. that single quack. Okay. And then learning the pitches, okay. you know everything you say to, to talk in a high voice or talk in a low voice, mm-hmm. the same thing you do in a duck call. To you know, you're tightening it down, constricting everything. You're doing it naturally. You don't think about talking in a high voice. You mm-hmm. don't think about right. talking in a low voice. Right. So it's the same as the duck call. You know, you can start high, <coughs> then go low. <coughs> 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 so and that cadence. So that that's how you get it to start at the top and come on down.
2: So what is it? What is it in those two differences when you're talking about a high versus a low? I mean, what are what are the what are the qualities that, that, that make you decide you're going to be high or going to be low?
3: Uh, well, all ducks, you know, when when they when they're quacking in their cadence, they're going mm-hmm. to start start high okay. and come down the scale. Okay. So I'm I'm when I'm doing the cadence, I'm always starting at that high, and coming down. So,
2: so how about uh, this is this is the fun one? How about feed chatter? This is <laughs> this is the one that everybody likes because it just sounds cool.
3: Feed chatter is a great <laughs> fill-in sound. Yeah. Um, you know, ducks are circling. You never want to go totally silent. Troy and I talk about this all the time. You never want to go just totally silent. I mean, you're, you're not hollering at them the whole time. You're not screaming at them. But if it ever just goes totally silent, you know, that's a cue that something's going on. These a predator approaching or something. There. You know, there's a cue that something's going on. So I always try to fill it in with, you know, <clears throat> feed chatter and stuff like that. Pulling in some drag quacks in the middle of feed chatter to, to just fill in sound. But it's a great, you know, um, not real aggressive, more of an, a... Uh, uh, I guess it would be kind of a
2: uh, conversational sort of maybe
1: it. yeah maybe. Uh, more of a uh, uh i can't think of the word i don't know i kind of uh it's just keeps them uh occupied yeah until you can start working them uh back into position where you're working them to to finish mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot of times uh you know ducks have the an incredible ability finesse to finesse sound is the word I was trying to pull. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Big word. Words are <laughs> hard. <laughs> you know, words F- are hard. Two syllables. The start to yeah. Yeah. Starts with yeah, F. F- Multiple syllables. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so what happens is, uh, you know, uh, being able to to keep them occupied, not stop calling. Uh, but ducks have the incredible ability to locate sound and pinpoint it. And one of the feed chatter things that makes it difficult for them to do that. So. When they're flying over the toppy or something like that, that's so a great time to use just a feed chatter and not doing any quacks or anything like when that.
2: When you're trying to accomplish that, um, kind of, you know, different thoughts that you hear people want to try to say words, dug-a-dug-a, tick-a-tick-a, that kind of stuff. And what's 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 your thought on that and those?
3: Well, there's, there's two basic feed chatter sounds. There's what they call the single cut, mm-hmm. which is just a tuck-tuck-tuck, tick-tick-tick, dug-dug-dug. Yep. And then there's the double cut, which is a ticka, ticka tucka 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 tucka. Any one of those sounds work. And uh you can't put enough voice into it. You can't put too much voice into it. Mm-hmm. You can blow on in your duck uh, cadence or a quack, but uh if fee chatter you just can't put too much voice into it. So you can go ahead and just get real ducky and growly with it. You know, it might wear your voice out a little bit, but uh but like a single single cut would mm-hmm. be a <laughs> or a double cut would be a You know, and you can adjust your hand to change the pitch, you know, mix it up a little bit. You can mix them together single cuts, double cuts. And you Benjamin's
0: putting... just going, what and what? He's never sat next to anybody blowing a duck call like this. I guarantee it.
3: Yeah, and you can yeah. hear me putting drag quacks in there. Mm. I'm just going like Is that when the
0: is that when the uh male ducks dress like the female ducks? What's going on with that one? Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but... hey, you know, every, every duck is his own, whatever, you know.
2: So let's let's talk about a, a couple of other variations i mean you, you threw at me a couple things on text last night that that i was unfamiliar with
3: yeah.
2: it involves the words like cajun and stuff like that <laughs> what all that cajun all yeah
3: oh so you got like bouncing hands yeah yeah you know cajun squeals refuge yep. feed chatters stuff like that mm-hmm. um a bouncing hand is just a variation of a single quack uh, the Cajun squeal is another variation of a single quack um, refuge feed chatters th- those are uh rapid feed chatter when' uh, mixing in ducks so it kind of gives an illusion of two things happening at once okay the 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 baseline of a feed chatter never stops and there's ducks in the background calling each other so um it's just variations to make yourself sound different you know just like fishing you know you want that that secret sauce you want that different sound you know if everybody's making a certain sound and you're Mm -hmm. not in the public Mm -hmm. area if you sound different that might be the thing that makes you successful that day
2: well demonstrate this what let's let's hear some okay so like a a bouncing hand a bouncing hand would be a uh,
3: you know just a (laughs) I got that little bounce at the end. Mm-hmm. Then the Cajun squeal is I'm cutting the note off with the back of my throat. I'm not using the tip of my tongue. So it okay. it, it kind of gets a little squeak at the end. That's a Cajun squeal. And a refuge feed chatter. It's uh, where I'm doing illusion where I got feed chatter, baseline. I got ducks calling each other in the background. So it kind of sounds like you're doing two things at once, but. that's a refuge feed chatter.
2: how long did it take you to, to, to sort that out like how long <laughs> is...
3: i kind of stumbled upon it i was uh i was playing around with a bouncing hand and uh you know and I, I said well, I what would it sound like inside a feed chatter?" and i did it i was like and i was actually recording it and i was like yeah. holy cow that sounds pretty cool that sounds man. good i called trev said "Troy, you got to hear this and and he actually told me about it you know a couple months beforehand but i didn't get what he was talking about and he goes that was it he said that's it you're doing it and and <laughs> You know, I've used it in a lot of duck calling contests with uh, yeah. good success. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just let's, <laughs> I know, let's get back to that basic quack. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, just rewind I mean, so this there
2: way. there are you know there you, you go go type in duck calls that you can make on on Google and you get fifty different things. I mean, you get and people tend to want to be. I think they want to try to to be loud. I think this is kind of just you know when somebody first starts to do this thing they want to be they want to be loud so so that you know the hail call is attractive because it's loud um but what are i mean so kind of walk us through sort of sort of the more aggressive urgent stuff versus the stuff you're talking you're doing right here is is subtle it's again conversational it's not it's not necessarily something that that, that's 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 you know kind of big and and bold i mean what what about those and and the times to use those bigger louder more more aggressive calls
1: uh, well, the more aggressive calling is usually you're trying to hail them in mm-hmm. at a great distance. You know, they may be, yeah you know, three, four or five hundred yards away. Uh, windy days, another great mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you know, utilize something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, the hails, uh, you know, you, there's two different types of hails. You have the ringing hail and then a, just a, a good, in my opinion, you know, a good meat hail. Um, And it's just it's just that it's just a lie, a loud, hard, you know, <laughs> all the way down the scale and you just keep kind of repeating that until they either hear you or they you know they start turning and they start seeing the decoys and then that's when you start going into uh, intermediate and lighter calling and and then it's just a matter of of being able to read birds and and finesse them into the finish Mm
2: -hmm. so we're going to jump out for a break when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our our get them dry jig uh, special deal however we're not done with this. We're not oh, done yeah. with this. We've got, another, we've got another half hour at the end of this, so we're mm-hmm. going to kind of continue on this whole thing. So if you have questions, we do have a few questions here that are on the text line. We'll get to those on the other side of the break. But uh, give us a call at 800-829-0950-206-286-9595. You can text your question in to 49451. Break time right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports Net Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. 726 Sports Radio, 950 KJR, Comcast, Sportsnet Northwest. And if you're fortunate enough to have the iHeartRadio app, if you're not, you should. Because you can listen to us uh, pretty much anywhere you get a, a cell phone signal. Go to iHeartMedia and uh, download the app. Do a search for Sports Radio, 950 KJR. Uh, Dwayne, we mentioned at the top of the show that we have a, we have a, a wild country special on um, jigs. And uh, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have Comcast, you're going to see him up on screen here shortly. It's the, the new Choker series uh, by Jared Cady of uh, Get Them Dry Fishing Company. Great twitching jigs. Really, really, really good. And and the deal is fantastic because, as, uh, as, as Benjamin pointed out, there's a lot of material in these things.
0: Yeah, there really is. And, you know, it's kind of like the evolution of fishing in every other realm, Shangle. You know, this is, this is something that has, he just texted me that he's sitting on one bar, so I don't know if we're going to get a hold of him or not. Uh, anyway, you know, the evolution of, of any type of practice that we uh, deploy for fishing you know it's um and, and benjamin and, I and robert we we're talking at the break you know
1: okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire
0: huh
1: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No restrictions. by
2: law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
0: See website for details. The kind of evolved back well okay, back up to Robert Kratzer. You talk to him, mm-hmm. he's been twitching jigs for, you know, 20 years. And but he he predominantly sticks with a lot of the hoochie style mm-hmm. big profile which those work fantastic you bet. as well, right? Um Back when I started doing it, I don't know, ten, twelve years ago, it was basically steelhead jigs, three eight ounce, you know, uh, steelhead jig, not a real big profile. Mm-mm. Matter of fact, pretty small,
2: comparatively sparse. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. I
0: mean, a lot of it was beaded body, uh, you yep. know, maybe even a white or black head and yep. a little bit of marabou or yarn coming off the tail. But yep. into a pool of coho surrounded by wood on lower hump and low water, it worked fantastic. You bet. And we were using longer rods you know, twitching with eight-and-a-half, nine-foot rods. Mm. And then the as everything does evolve over time, you know, a lot of guys have switched to shorter <laughs> rods. Guys like Jared and a bunch of guys that he uh, fishes with, they still like to use an eight-and-a-half or nine-foot rod for twitching. I yep. think it's personal preference. Sure it is. I've even gone to, and we'll break this down next week when I do a pro cam yeah. on, yeah. on twitching jigs, but yep. I really like using one of my seven-and-a-half-foot yep. single-piece plug rods. Yep, absolutely. Because I just feel more uh, ability on hook set when I'm using a bass-style setup mm-hmm. versus a spinning rod, that's just me. Absolutely. A lot of guys will will default to the spinning rod setup. I like the bait caster on a short rod, much like bass fishing. Mm-hmm. My accuracy for casting around wooden structure is a lot imp- lot better for me versus a spinning rod. Yep. I just feel like I have more control. But, again, personal preference. Um, spooling up with braided line, you, especially you start buying, you know, these 3 and $4 jigs, mm-hmm. a lot of work and effort going to those choker series. You bet. You don't just want to give them up. No, you, you don't. know. not mm-hmm so a good good sturdy braid when we're in clear water i like to like to uh uni knot a, a top shot of uh monofilament on there i usually go with uh fluorocarbon just because of the low clear water and uh you, you got to change your color sequence you know we're talking low clear water versus the conditions we have right now mm-hmm. but uh conditions right now you could tie that stinking braid high vis braid right to that sure. jig it ain't oh, gonna yeah. make no. a bit of difference Not right different. now right a bit. um talked to jared the other day they had Maybe a foot of visibility, when most guys were choosing not to fish, you know, uh, where he was over on the hump, and they hooked 20 fish twitching jigs. And you say that, and guys oh, they're foul hooking fish. No, they're not foul hooking fish. They're hooking fish in the mouth. They're responding to these big profile, vibrant colors, chartreuses, things that stand out in that dirty water. Um, You can get those fish to react, because it is, with coho, a reactionary bite. Don't put any scent on them. Don't waste your time trying to, you know, gussy them up with any type of odor or anything. Just... Mm. Freaking throw them out there and twitch them, and uh, you're gonna find.
2: So shirts. we're pr- we're probably not gonna hook up a Jared. I think we're we're kind of we're kind of out of luck on that. But but we're not out of luck as far as the deal goes. So again, to remind everybody, it's it's twelve of these jigs, the new, the new choker series. You can you can order these custom, yep. uh, thirty six dollars. It's it's basically they're they're normally four dollars a piece. So this is a twenty five percent off deal. It's valid for. For now, it's valid for this week only. Yeah, and the best, the, the easy way to do it is to go to Get 'em Dry, Dry, <laughs> yeah. and you look at the link on the very top of the page. It says right there, Northwest Wild Country Special. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but uh, you click on that link. Yep, and that allows you to to order these. And and, and as we pointed out, and as you've probably seen on screen, there's a lot mm-hmm. of material. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into these jigs, so they're they're worth it at four dollars a piece. Yeah. But at three dollars a piece, it is it is a steal.
0: Three eighths ounce, half inch. Pick your color. I mean, you're talking chenille wrapped body. Lots yep. of marabou on the tail. Rubber legs. Yep. A lot of things going on there to add large profile. A lot of yep. movement. A lot of you know creates a lot of uh, um, coho response to it. Yep. Well, you're for,
3: it, you're forcing them to make a decision. Oh, you are. Yeah, they. Yeah. Have to, it's a fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely forced they definitely force them. Usually, they want to fight. Coho
2: yeah. like to fight more often than not. You're correct. So it's he's got UV chenille, UV uh, crystal flash. He's got two tone rubber legs. Yeah, it's just got a really good. Last well, time you got there. to
0: think about too. I mean, coho fishing is going to be good through it November is. into December. Absolutely. You know where it's open and you can mm-hmm. still permissible to retain. But uh, and there's a lot of them. There's I mean they they missed the mark this year. That's a totally different story. But the fact is the coho are here. The water's dropping. This next week, it's going to be phenomenal. But you know what? Don't just look at it, well, I can't get out this next week. Why am I going to order those jigs? You're going to fish all the way through November, man, past Thanksgiving, Christmas coho. Keep that in mind. Get Get your jigs now, especially when they're on sale like this, and we can run you a Wild Country Special get your jigs, and start doing some twitching.
2: www.getemdry.com. You can click on the link at the top of the page. It'll take you through the ordering process. It's uh, 36 bucks, I believe it's $5 shipping and handling, maybe mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that. But uh, it's a great steal. Guys, let's talk a little bit. Uh, guys, meaning uh, Troy Taylor and Robert Strong of Ruckus Outfitters here in studio with us this morning. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, Columbia Basin goose opportunity because it's one that I've got a, I've got a bunch of friends who live in Arkansas and they think that that is the greatest place ever <laughs> but all those guys look up to this part of the country and they're like man I would really like to go up there and hunt and there's a good reason for that it is it is world class, it's as good as, as there is anywhere in the entire world, correct?
3: Uh, absolutely and uh, you know we have a four bird limit where this parts of the country like if they have a two bird limit mm-hmm. so yeah. we do have the birds.
2: And this, this operation is one that you guys have done for how many years?
3: Uh, 2008 was our first year, and then Troy was guiding with uh, Dan Levins for, mm. what, yeah, 10
1: years probably, before that? Yeah, yeah, I've been guiding now for uh, about 22 years. Okay,
2: right. Mm. Has there been a change in, in the kind of the, the hunt itself or the process itself?
3: Oh, not really. Not so much. Mm-mm. The decoys have definitely stepped up. Yeah. yeah. You know, it used to be everybody hunted Bigfoots or shells, and now mm-hmm. the, you know, with Dave Smiths and stuff on the market, Yeah, they, everybody had to step up their game, you're, you know, and, and we truly believe in, in decoys, you know, less is more, yeah. and you're better off to buy a higher quality decoy. So
0: quality versus quantity is... And yeah, happier. these right here are pretty ridiculous. I mean, you can't get much more of a, you know, decoy that looks so realistic.
3: Yeah, these are the fully flocked uh, Fred Zink Avax yeah. decoys, but... Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty phenomenal.
2: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about then sort of the uh, the heart of the season for you guys. You mentioned that you started in kind of in you know mid late November and so forth, and goes all the way through the end of it. But um, but but walk us through a a typical goose season in the Columbia Basin. I mean, what is what is it? What is I mean? Obviously, you've got you know restricted days and so forth. But kind of walk us through it.
3: Yeah, like I said, Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays mm-hmm. restrict to holidays. Yep. Um, which which we like uh, gives the birds a chance to rest. Mm-hmm. You know, they can build numbers in the field and stuff like that. So. Uh, where we're at we hunt a lot of honkers we okay. don't have many lessers so okay. a lot That's of river know. yeah a lot of mm-hmm. river geese um the cool thing is, is that later in the year when everything's frozen up you know if you're within a few miles of the river you know it gets that warm air coming right up the pacific from the pacific up the columbia basin there yeah. uh, the columbia river and uh, so it's a little bit more uh, mild climate close to the river so mm. a lot of the geese concentrate there and they'll trade back and forth between our area and tri-cities you know sometimes we'll lose them they'll be gone for a week, and then down in Tri Cities and then they'll turn around they'll come right back. So um, you know, mostly hawkers, but it, it, some of our best time is the end of January, you know, when most people have given up. You know, that's when we're really getting good. Really? Yeah. yeah. Ha-
2: has there been uh, have there been changes in in sort of the kind of the the, the feeding and flight patterns of these birds over the years uh, relative to to crops? That's one thing that's happened in the basin is crops have changed according to you know the finances of what you know farmers can get more money for and so forth i mean so 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 you know wh- what's the story with that
1: well yeah absolutely it's it uh on lately you've seen a lot more corn uh being uh, being grown for the uh, ethanol mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things so that kind of changed how the birds would stage also um uh, but when when the corn crops are are not being utilized as much and, and, and there's a lot of potato farms over there and things like mm-hmm. that yeah, um, You know, you'll see things It, it won't be as good for, as some years, and then other years there's so much corn, it's just phenomenal hunting, you know? Yeah. And so the last few years have been pretty good, really. Yeah. When so you get,
3: when you get a hard freeze, you know, the, the, they don't tend to go to the corn because the corn kernel is actually frozen to right. the ground. Yeah. 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 And then on the contrast, you know, you get a snow and it'll cover up all the corn. You think, well, that's no good. Well, where there's a little piece of stubble sticking out, that's like a little battery sitting there in the sun, it just collects that heat. And they'll actually see a melted ring around each corn stalk, and the geese will go there and they'll just peck around the the corn around the <laughs>
1: stock. So, yeah, yeah. That and winter and winter wheat too. Uh, they'll start yeah. utilizing that winter wheat. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and this will change year by year. I mean, I mean, there there the, the can be that dramatic of a difference or that big of a difference over the course of three hundred sixty five days over where they grow things and when.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm. if there's no feed, they aren't going to stick around. Yeah,
2: good point. Yeah. yeah, so this this whole thing of trafficking back and forth, you know, between. Between locations on the Columbia River and so forth. I mean, so when you're when you're looking for, here's the thing, one of the the true talents of 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 this whole game is knowing where the birds are located, where they're at, and <laughs> and that's one of the things too is like where's is, where's is your land versus somebody else's land. So so when you're when you're in your processes of of, of you know scouting and looking around and trying to figure out where things are located, uh, and versus I mean, how much land do you guys hunt first of all, and how many places.
3: Oh, uh, Yeah, our area is, we have ground sprinkled out basically about 100 square miles. Okay. Um, From Quincy to George all the way over to Dodson Road, we have fields sprinkled all throughout. Okay. um, It's a pretty large area. It's almost too much to scout in one day. So, you you know, you really need to be, um, you know, we'll spread out and and find check our fields and find what birds. And basically what we're looking for when we're scouting, too, is not necessarily geese, you know, because you'll see a bunch of geese in the field, but you're kind of getting a feel for the mood of the geese. Mm. You know, are they actively feeding or are they just loafing around? You know, a lot of times if they're just loafing around, they might be getting ready to bail the next day and head south. So um, if we have our options, two or three fields with uh, geese in it, we're going to pick one where we see them actively feeding. You know, and, and uh, you're watching the birds as they come in. You know, are they coming into one big wad, you know, where you're going to get one go in the morning? Mm-hmm. Or are they coming in in small groups, you know? And, and uh, how do they act, react when they come into the field? Are they dropping right in? Or are they circling a bunch of times and not even landing with the big flock? You know, later in the year they get decoy shy. They won't even land with each other. So, and, and that's when you really gotta you know choose your field and which which one's your best option
2: mm-hmm. so, so you're you're judging as much on behavior as you are on numbers, then basically it yes. sounds like oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. so keep that thought in mind. we're gonna take a super quick break. this will be our last actually this is our last break of the show, so yep. if you have questions um. Give us a call, 800-829-0950. You can text it into 49451. We'll get in a little bit deeper into this uh, Columbia Basin uh, goose hunt with the boys at Ruck's Outfitters right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports in the Northwest. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle's Sports Radio 950 KJR. Rucksoutfitters.com Go take a look at that. You'll find information there about uh, the hunts offered and fishing trips offered by Robert Strong. And by Troy Taylor, we, uh, we kinda the, kind of got into kind of the very basics of the Columbia Basin goose hunt, but uh, there's a lot that goes into it, and we're looking at these decoys that, lay, that are laying around here. Let's talk about the actual physicality of the hunt itself. So decoys, blinds, the whole thing, like run us through. If somebody's not had the opportunity to go participate in this whole thing, what, what will their experience be?
1: Uh, well, um, usually they get there uh, the night before, mm-hmm. so we're going to be setting up Saturday morning, uh, meeting, usually meet them around 5 a.m., but the night before, we go out and have dinner with the guys and usually have a few cocktails. and, <laughs> and Steak uh, night
3: at the Moose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yeah. thanks from Miss Moose Lodge.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they have a great prime rib there. Anyhow, uh, so we meet there and have some cocktails and whatnot, and, you know, and they're always asking, oh, well, how's it look? You know, how are we going to do? And, and we try not to, you know. Oversell it absolutely <laughs> yeah. as soon as I open my mouth, it goes, Ah, oh, it's gonna be a slam dunk, and then it's just slow, yeah. you know. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, and then we meet him at 5 a.m., we head out to the field, and uh, we start setting up uh, where we're gonna set up, start putting out the blinds and, and brushing the blinds up real well, and getting the decoys set out, and and uh, and that's really about it. And then it's, it's the wait, you know, yeah. it's hurry up and wait.
3: The hide is absolutely paramount, though. I mean, when it comes to setting up your, your blind and where your mm-hmm. decoys are. When we're scouting the field, that's one of the things we're looking for is uh, where is the X, first of all? Where do the geese want to be? And then we decide our best choice of where do the hide is going to be. And, um, you know, you got to take things in the very into account like the sun. You know, not something you really deal with on the west side. But on the east side, you know, the, mm-hmm. is the sun going to be in your face? You ideally want the sun to be in the geese's face because they have to fight it, too. Sure. Um, plus you can use the shadows to your advantage. And then what direction is the wind going to be as far as your decoys go? So the wind is first, you know, and then the, yeah. the sun after. But, um, you know, and we and we have a pretty simple spread. We don't get too fancy with it. Uh, a couple groups out, you know, on either side of us, two or three decoys in front with a flapper motion decoy, pull-string decoy. Um, uh, you know, and then that usually works for us start to finish.
1: So. What I might add, that flapper is, is deadly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's showing any <laughs> showing any type of movement, any little
0: movement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: But uh, the motion, yeah, motion is huge. And, and yeah. like Dave Smith always said, is that they just have to be convinced they're real. Mm-hmm. Your decoys are real. That's right why we, right. we suggest don't worry about numbers. You know, late in the season when they get really decoy shy, we've gone down to six, nine decoys, really, and, really? That and six, pounded nine. them. Yeah, because they, they, if you're on the X, if you're where they want to be, you just want to convince them that they're real, and that's it. So the less things, we're not really into the gimmicky things, you know, all the flying decoys and stuff like that mm-hmm. because you just have to be convinced that they're real um, and then don't screw it up. You know, if you're where they want to be, don't screw it up. They're coming. How so, And how
2: would you screw it up? I'm going to write well, well, that well, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take notes right now. <laughs> yeah.
3: Overcalling, not calling at the right time. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, you know, late in the season, if you honk or cluck at them sometimes, they're gone. Really? They're yeah. gone. So, I mean, we use a lot of gabble sounds, you know, back and forth. You know, and, and that's it. And that's enough to, to decoy them in. So, keeping it light. You guys, yeah. uh, you've had all much fog over there? You get yes. fogged oh, out? Oh, boy. There's yeah. at least two weeks in the, the you know, yeah. it varies from year to year, but there's at least two weeks. It can be in December, January, where it's just Usually so is the case. thick. And you'll yeah. hear the geese fly above it, and they're looking for a hole to fly through, but they won't come through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's kind of a tough part when you're guiding is, is, you know, a fishing guide can go to the river. His clients can see the rivers blown out, sure, it's not gonna right. be any good, right. sure, but you know, you, you still try to th- show the enthusiasm that you know, hey, it could
0: lift, you mm-hmm. know, it could be good, but you know, in the
3: back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, god, it's gonna be a long day.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you might get that late afternoon shot where it burns off, and then you get yeah. that one one o'clock. Tonight, yeah. I've, I've been there, I mean, yeah. you wait yeah. literally six, seven, eight hours. You know, sitting in the blind, eating food, drink coffee, shooting the bull. Just, I mean, yeah. and listening to them flying overhead, mm-hmm. squawking away. Usually, have right them
3: them when you're over at the taco stand at lunchtime. That's usually when they, <laughs> they finally turns off and they come in. So. Yeah, you come back and they're all yeah, decoys. So. Got to wait
0: them out, but boy, it can be worth it too because yeah. they haven't. They may not have eaten all morning. Yeah. If they're not finding anywhere to land. They might go back onto the river and hang on the water. Then they'll get up in the air again, fly around. They're looking nothing. They go back. I've yeah. It could be fogged in for two, three days. And right. that first day that it's not foggy, mm-hmm, well, you no. better be ready
3: for first light because yeah. they're coming to first light and they are getting another. on the ground. Yeah, yeah that is for yep. sure. Good. Walk us
2: uh, so talk about the blinds, the blind setups and so forth.
3: Uh, we're hunting layout blinds just because yep. uh you know our birds are pretty mobile, so mm-hmm. we don't have any real areas that we traffic birds. We're always trying to hunt right. the X. Right. Uh, layout blinds, finding an edge you know that we can hunt off it, it's really difficult to uh, set up out in the middle of a field it, it really is trying to trying to hide yourself and mm-hmm. we always try to do the sleight of hand you know pay attention to the decoys over here and not to us over here right so sure. if we can put something in between us and the, and the decoys like an edge of a field or a ditch bank or something like that you know so, so you know we don't want to be particularly in their field of vision is, is what I, the best advice i can give on that you don't want to really be in their field of vision a lot of guys like the Put the decoys around their blinds, mm-hmm. you know, and think they're going to hide them, themselves with a bunch sure, of decoys. Right, maybe put it right. on their lid, and mm-hmm, and right. but but you're right in their field of vision. They're concentrating yeah, yeah, on those right decoys, there, and they're see. right in their field of vision. Yeah. So, you know, pay attention to what I'm doing over here, not over here, is what you really want to concentrate on.
2: Yeah, makes yeah. total sense. Million dollar question: what uh, what sort of availability do you have for the season? How, how many guys can you take at a time? Will you take at a time? And and, and what does your schedule look like?
3: We're comfortable up to six. Okay. Um November's pretty well booked up. We have some yeah. dates in December and a few in January. Like, okay, so.
2: but December, January are 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 m- can be money. I mean, yeah, okay. by Absolutely. by
3: mid-November yeah. we're starting to see our birds. Hmm. Uh, you know, you could get lucky and hit a fog bank in the middle of the season, but uh, you know, by December, January it's go time. Late in the season, and we've had some of our best, best. hunts on the last day of the season. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: ridiculous. Yeah,
0: you know. Well, like you said, a lot of areas are uh, you know they're pretty much done, mm-hmm. right? Guys have moved on doing other things, and you guys yeah. start late, hunt late. Yeah, yeah. It of like all, it of all
3: depends on Mother Nature when when they yeah, decide yeah. to come down. So,
0: mm-hmm. what
2: about uh, what about the goose hunts has sort of kind of kind of captured you guys versus being versus just strict duck hunts? I mean, what what about that particular operation just works best for you?
3: When you got 12 ten, twelve pound honkers right above your head, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that, that's a kind of adrenaline rush that you just yeah, can't beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. That's that's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, so Troy, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, about call history. We didn't get a chance to talk about that t- too much, and we're going to be done here before. But let's run through quickly here as far as yeah, kind of the the, the creation and evolution of it. Let's let's okay. kind of get into it.
1: Uh, well, you know, nobody really knows exactly when the first uh, duck call kind of made its appearance, but they there was an old uh, engraving. Um, uh, it was eighteen fifty five or eighteen fifty eight, somewhere right around there, called the shooter or the Shootist. Anyway, and in that engraving. Uh, they're, they're hunting ducks, and a guy has what appears to be a duck call hanging around his neck, and so that's kind of their first indication of about when it came to be. And they were called a tongue pincher, uh, sounded like heard a that cur- term heard that term before yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then uh, it kind of evolved from there. Uh, the tongue pinchers were even produced right up till you know the twenties and even the thirties, hmm. but uh, and then F. A. Allen and P. S. Old and those guys started producing uh, what I would call a, a modern duck call, if you will. And uh, and that's kind of how the evolution got going. And now, uh, you know, everything is primarily. You, you got some real foot guys. I don't know if you're familiar with real foot calls, the metal reed calls. Um, you know, there was kind of an offshoot of those guys hmm. uh, back in the '30s, and the '20s, and the '40s, and and even the '50s, where they kind of produced their own version, which was the, the, the metal reed type. You know, um, but other than that, everything primarily now is is your Arkansas J frame. That's kind of the most yep. popular. And uh, it's really, really taken off, and, and gosh, it's, it's, it's growing more now than ever.
2: So we have kind of run up to the end of the show. We've got, I've got a lot more questions we didn't get to. Yeah. A whole bunch well, of them. When do you guys leave town and hunt all the time, basically? Starting
3: mid-November. Mid- yeah, November 12th is okay. our first, first hunt of the season. Okay,
2: we may have to kind of do a follow-up to this because I've just thought of a handful of things that we didn't, that we didn't get to. Yeah, but,
0: we'll <laughs> carry that interview off into the field. So that's the best that's, you know, the best. that's right the best plan right yeah. there. The best plan right there.
2: Uh, if guys are looking to hunt with you guys, where do they go? Uh, uh, website information, phone information. Give give us all that stuff.
3: Uh, www.ruckusoutfitters.com. There's a link to our email and my phone number is right on the page. Uh, hit us up on our Facebook page. University is on there too. There's links to our. Facebook pages on our website. Um, you know we'll have updates on calling classes coming up and stuff too. So absolutely, yeah,
2: yeah. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to come in. Really, yeah, thanks super, for having Super, you. super that educational. Fun. Really, really good time. Good, really good time. stuff. Yeah, yeah and, and also wow. to Benjamin Bobberdown Smith, mm-hmm. uh, joined the fan couch. <laughs> got a little duck calling education. Very, so very the things that you so. got you didn't count didn't count on when you came in here, right?
3: It's amazing how much goes into this. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit
2: hectic, right. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> a little hectic. Let's get out of here, guys. Yeah, let's we'll do see you at same time, same place, mm-hmm. right here next week on Sports Radio 950 KJR and Comcast Sports in the Northwest. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.